0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Number one, we're to praise God because He's a Creator and the maker of everything. Look at verse six. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heavens of heavens, with all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. Number one, we're to praise God because he's the creator and he's the maker of everything. Again, Nehemiah 9 is the longest prayer recorded in the Bible. This prayer goes from verse 5 all the way through verse 38. This is not only a long prayer, but listen, I believe it's an important prayer. Because as you look at Israel as a nation, it seems between the return from the Babylonian captivity and the coming of Jesus, this seems to be the high point of Israel. Are you listening? This seems to be the high point of Israel spiritually and nationally. In other words, at this point in the nation's history, they are repentant and truly they have a heart of worship. You'll see what I'm talking about when we read a little more. Truly, they have a heart of worship and wanting to know God and wanting to get back to the things of God. So at this point in history, their hearts are full of repentance and praise, unlike any other time in history. So here we have an important prayer um, because there's a high point in their history from the Babylonian captivity to the coming of the Lord. This seems to be the high point. Verse five, the Levites say, stand up, bless the Lord your God. Blessed be your glorious name. The name of the Lord is exalted above all blessings and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made heaven, the heavens of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and everything in it, the seas and all that's in them. Because this great God made everything, we should praise him. I think of Psalm one. Uh, Psalm 19 verse 1 through 6 and it says the heavens proclaim the glory of God as a matter of fact I don't know. Can you keep up with me? Read it with me. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Is there another slide? In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other and there is nothing hidden from, nothing hidden from its heat. We're to praise God. He's the creator of everything. Heaven's declared the glory of God. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Go outside, look up in the sky, and say hi to God. Amen. God's not in the clouds. He made the clouds. Don't get it right. Don't get it twisted. God's not in the trees. He made the trees. God's not in the stars. He made the stars. God's not in the sun. He made the sun. He made everything that we see. You go to the beach, how can you not see God? What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? How can you go to the beach and not see God? Again, he's not in the sand, but he made the sand. And his thoughts are numbered towards you more than the sand on the sea. In other words, you can't count them. how much he's thinking about you and how much he loves you. But when you go to the beach and you look at the ocean, the vastness of the ocean, how can you not believe, man, there's God the creator of everything. Number two, praise God, because he's the one who called us and chose us in verse seven and eight. Look at verse seven. You are the Lord God who chose, who saints? Abraham, and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Jebusites, and the Gergesites, and any otherites, to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. Verse 7, you are the God who did choose Abraham and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans. The writer quickly moves through a thousand years of history between point one and point two, of our outline from creation to Abraham. then the idea is God is creator and brought all this into existence. And then you made a selection in it. God always had a plan and God chose Abraham. Acts chapter seven, are you listening? Stephen, when he was being stoned, he said the God of glory appeared unto Abraham when he was still in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, you know the story. When God called Abraham, there were no Jewish people. Abraham and his family were idol worshipers. Joshua 24, you can write that down. It tells us our forefathers worshiped idols on the other side of the river. So when God called Abraham, he was an idol worshiping Gentile. Abraham was an Ur of the Chaldean and the God of glory called him. Then God promised that the Messiah would come through his seed and all the earth would be blessed. God chose Abraham. God elected Abraham. All based on God's grace. Verse 8. God found him faithful and gave him the land of all of the ites. God has performed his word. For God is righteous in verse 8. Point number 3 in our outline. Praise God because he delivers from sin and enslavement in verse 9 through 12. Look at verse 9. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and you heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, and against all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself as it is to this day and you divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on what saints? dry land and their persecutors. You threw into the deep a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, you led them day by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road, which they should travel. Notice saints, He delivers from sin and enslavement. One of the signs of true revival, and that's what we have here beginning in verse 8 as we talked about the last time, one of the signs of true revival is brokenness of heart. And then you'll see people reflecting on the goodness of God. You'll see the pride cast down and our hearts become humble before God and then you'll be able to see God for who he is and how good he is. The writer says, God, you saw the affliction of our people in Egypt. Now, we know the story. The people of God were leaving Egypt. Pharaoh's army is in hot pursuit, and they come to the Red Sea. You know the story. And then Charlton Heston, he holds up his staff. (laughs) You can't miss that. He holds up his staff over the waters and it parted. It was Moses, we know. And the people went across on dry ground and it's estimated that two to three million people crossed over. It says they moved across on dry ground, not slopping in mud. Now I point that out, saints, because there are some so-called scholars who spend their time seeking to deny the miracles of the parting of the Red Sea. And they say that Israel crossed on the northern end of the, anybody know? Reed Sea. And they say that there was some kind of tide that blew back uh, the waters, and Israel was able to cross in an inch and a half of water, and they kind of slopped through. Listen, if that were true, then the crossing of the red sea was an even even bigger miracle because that means pharaoh and his entire army drowned in an inch and a half of water <laughs> it's not that hard people but these so-called scholars and you might say okay rodney so what's the big deal so what so what would they say well listen a right understanding and you know you've been here at Calvary Chapel a right understanding of scripture is critical Can somebody clap your hands and say amen or do something? that's That's what we be about. A right understanding of Scripture is critical. Because why? When the doctor says your test results are positive, when the doctor says you have cancer and you have X number of days to live, you're going to have to have a God who can part the mighty waters of the Red Sea and lead us through on dry ground. Am I right about it? Absolutely a right understanding is critical. So the Bible teaches when Israel crossed the Red Sea, it was a wall of water. Now listen close, in the Hebrew language, a wall means a wall. The word wall is used more than a 100 times in the Bible. We have the walls of Jerusalem, the walls of Jericho, the walls of Babylon. There was a wall of water on the right and on the left. Imagine walking through and seeing like fish, and sharks, like, swimming, like, right by, I mean, this, that was a trip. I'm sorry. That's, that's a trip. And you're walking through on dry ground, you're like, <laughs> you can stick your hand in and touch that fish. I don't know. That's just kind of trippy to me. I'd be like, man, my hands are wet. It's water. It's a wall of water as the people pass through on dry ground. They're walking through. Verse 11 in your Bibles, the enemy was thrown into the deep like a stone into mighty waters. In verse 12, God led them in a cloudy pillar by day and a fiery pillar by night. Point number four, praise God for his providential care. He is the, what did I tell you he was? The provider. In verse 13, are you looking at it? You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven. And you gave them just ordinances and true law. Good statutes and commandments you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes and laws. By the hand of Moses, your servant, you gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and you brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. Saints, God came down on Mount Sinai and spoke to them. And you know the movie. When Charlton went up on the mountain, I insist. When Charlton went up on the mountain, he was there. And God always shows up in the movie right after the music. And, Se- and Cecil B. DeMille, the director, he, you know, he shows us fire coming through the air and burning the law on the tablets and all that's for effect. But the Bible tells us that God spoke out loud as the children of Israel were in the valley. And he said, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Imagine what kind of sound equipment it would take for two to three million people to hear today. As a matter of fact, God's voice was so awesome and so powerful. They said, Pastor Moses, you go talk to him and let him talk to you. And whatever he tells you, you come tell us. We don't want to talk to him. Because he's a fearful, mighty God. Listen, there are people who say, well, if I could see a miracle, I would love God more. But that's not true. The children of Israel had more miracles than anyone, and they didn't love God more. In verse 15, it tells us they were given bread. Look at it in verse 15. They were given bread from heaven. That's manna. Exodus 16 tells us every day each person was to take an omer. An omer is a pint. You could write that down. An omer is a pint. Think about it. Six pints, let's do the math. Six pints per person multiplied times, let's just say 2 million people per week. That's 12 million pints of manna every morning. That's 9 million pounds per day God provided. That's 4,500 tons of manna every single solitary day for 40 years, six days a week. Think about that. And think about the water necessary for drinking, not for showers and not for dishes. Some have calculated for 3 million people to have drinking water, it would be 11 million gallons of water every single solitary day. That's a miracle. 11 million gallons of water a day in the desert? Are y'all getting me? In the desert, for 40 years, God provided and took care of their needs every day. Verse 15 tells us that God gave them bread from heaven. Again, that's manna. Manna means, anybody knows what it means? What is it? Very good. What is it? Because when they saw it, they said, what is it? They didn't know. And they made all kinds of dishes. (laughs) It's in me. It's coming out. (laughs) They made manna every way that they could think of. They had fried manna, broiled manna, baked manna, manna cotti, banana bread, manna in the morning manna in the evening, manna when the sun gone down. (laughs) Hey, I'm preaching now. Manna when the sun gone down. (laughs) They had all kinds of manna. God gave them bread or manna from heaven and water from a rock because even in the wilderness, they were in the middle of God's divine providential care. But in verse 16, Look at verse 16, but point number five, praise God for his patience and forgiveness in verse 16. If you're looking at verse 16, say, I'm looking at it. But they and our fathers acted proudly, but they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks and did not heed your commandments. And they refused to obey and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks in their rebellion. They appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Even when they made a molten calf for themselves and said, This is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations, yet In your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You also gave your, I love this, underline it, circle it, highlight it, remember it. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manner from their mouth. Notice it was his manner. Huh? Did you get that? Did not withhold your manner from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes didn't even wear out and their feet didn't even swell. Look at God. Now, you're talking about a faithful God when your feet don't swell. (laughs) Hallelujah. Where my people at? (laughs) All All the pregnant mommies are like, hey, man. But those swollen feet. God is faithful. That's the point here. And he's patient and he's forgiving. God has done great and awesome things for them, but they acted proudly. Did you get that? And as you read through the chapter, you'll notice words like, but, yet, moreover, nevertheless, therefore, but, yet, moreover, nevertheless, therefore, over and over and over again, but, yet, moreover, nevertheless, therefore, verse 16, but the people acted proudly, they hardened their necks, they did not listen to God's commandments. It's amazing that God would give them supernatural provision on a daily basis because God was gracious to them over and over and over again. Yet, but they became hard hearted and took God's grace for granted and they refused to obey or recognize the awesome miracles of God in verse 17. And they took the grace of God and the provision of God for granted. And people do that all the time today, don't they? They take God's provision and they take things for granted until it's gone. People do it with loved ones, don't they? I've attended two funerals in the last two weeks. And if there's one thing I've heard is from many, many people, I should have. I wish I had. If only I had done. If only I could. Listen, love people while they're here on earth. Do not, listen, wait a minute. Do not wait until they are dead to show your love for them because then it's too late. They're not going to receive it. They're, they're dead. They're gone. They're in the presence of the Lord. Love people now. So if somebody once said, give them their flowers now so that when they're gone, you're not saying, if only I had, if only I should have, if only I could have. You don't have all those regrets because I can tell you that sword runs deep. When you live with those regrets, you're left to live with that. That's why in my life, I don't wanna do nobody wrong, not intentionally, not consciously. And if I do, I'm coming to ask for forgiveness. If you don't forgive me, that's on you. But I need to get my conscience right before God because I wanna stand clear and whole and pure knowing that I have done what God has called me to do. Not that I have been perfect, but I've done what God has called me to do. So my conscience is clear and I can love you while you're here because when you're gone, you're gone. And I don't want to live with that regret. And we've got to be those kind of people who love people when God has them in our lives so that we don't live with regrets. We don't look back and think, you know, if only I had done this or take the the grace of God, the provision of God and the love of God for granted. People do it all the time. Israel took God's blessings for granted. They murmured and they complained, oh, manna again. They would say, God could at least give us a different flavor of manna, wah, wah, wah. Even Baskin-Robbins got 31 flavors. I mean, goodness gracious, couldn't we get different flavors of manna? Miracle after miracle, provision after provision, yet they doubted God. After seeing all that God did, how could they lack faith? How could they even think to want to go back to Egypt? Verse 17 tells us they weren't even mindful of the miracles and the wonders. Verse 17, please look at it. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abundant or of great kindness. He did not forsake them. Now keep in mind, This is Moses talking about the greatness and the goodness of God. Remember, Moses was raised with the best this world had to offer. He was raised in privilege as the prince of Egypt, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was Pharaoh's grandson, raised with the best food, the best university, the most beautiful women, the pleasures of this world and power and the wealth of this world. The Pharaohs were famous for their breweries, in Egypt. Did you know that? They drank warm beer. They didn't have ice, but they drank warm beer. Moses was the commander-in-chief of the Egyptian armed forces. He had everything at his disposal, and yet God had a different plan for Moses. As he spent 40 years in the desert, that's a long time. Think about it. 40 years ago, we had no concept of Mac. 40 years ago, no concept of smartphones. 40 years ago, the U.S. was still involved in the Vietnam War. 40 years is a long time. And Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. And it was during those 40 years that God was working on the outside and on the inside. On the outside, teaching Moses how to live in the desert because when he came out, he was going to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness for another 40 years. And on the inside, during those 40 years, God was teaching Moses how to be a pastor and how to be humble and yet strong and trust God because Moses is going to be the pastor of the largest church in the world. Two, three million people. I love it when I hear pastors, they do it all the time. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how many people? You never always never fails. I always wait, 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 because I know you want to ask. I never say anything. I just stand there and they go, yeah, so um, how many people are going to your church? Or they'll say something like, how many are you running? I hate it when they say that. I'm not running anything. That sounds so... Uh, Cattle, good word, herding. Yeah, but I don't like that. That just sounds, how many of you running? I'm not running. I'm ministering to God's people. I'm not running anything, anybody. That's creepy. How many, you know, Moses had the biggest church in the world. Two, three million people. Man, think of children's church. My goodness. That's what comes to my mind. Moses went from being the prince of Egypt and a revolutionary with a dream to a nobody. He lost the pleasures of this world. He gained a deep, intimate relationship with God. He spent 80 days on the mountain with God, and God sustained him without food. He saw the holy tabernacle in heaven that was a pattern of the earthly tabernacle.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Carry